Good morning. Welcome everyone here this morning. I'd like to write something on the board, right, to start with, just for you, just to keep up there. I'm not sure how this is all going to go this morning. I uh, will just confess that I didn't read the Sunday school lesson before I got to church, and I didn't realize that our Sunday school lesson was somewhat along the same line. But if you would, turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11. And this morning, the title is, By Faith, Abraham. You could put your own name in there. By faith, Dwight. By faith, Jason. By faith, put your own name in there. And if you think of your own life and the journey that you've been on or that you are on, when I say a journey, I call it, life is a journey because we typically move one foot in front of the other one as we go through life, whether it's automatically, whether it's by habit, whether it's intentional, or whether it is by accident. We, time does not sit still for anybody. And we have more experience today than what we did at our last birthday. We have more experience today than we did at our first birthday. Because, and the reason I know that is because most of you all aren't crawling around still and just talking gibberish. You can walk and you can intelligently carry a conversation. So you have been on a journey, very basically speaking. You've learned something. But as we talked about in our Sunday school lesson a little bit, Solomon was asked for wisdom that he could judge God's people. And we didn't talk about this in Sunday school, but if it was a dream, obviously, well, most of the time, dreams happen when you're sleeping. So if Solomon asked for this in his sleep, was it intentional or was it just how the dream came out? God took it as intentionally that he asked for that. But Solomon, if he asked for it in a dream, does that mean that Solomon was living that way? Was that his, was that his heart's desire before he went to sleep? Another thing that I'd I asked this in Sunday school, and I don't know, I'm not really looking for an answer because it's maybe a little bit like, well, you can think about it, but by faith, faith is something that is required of every believer. We call us believers because it takes faith to believe, right? Without faith, it's impossible to please God. But does God give us faith, or is faith a, a, an 
something that our free will, that we make a choice for our free will to believe, and then God can increase it later. We believe that God's given all of us a free will. So we have the ability to choose. But faith, by faith, Abraham. By faith, Jason lives his life. Can that be said of you or of of me? Let's read in Hebrews 11. We're going to start in verse 1. And I'm going to read the part pertaining to Abraham here. So verse 1 through, I think, 19, I believe. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's the action that we do, what we believe in. It's how we act for a, an, an end that we hope for. It's the evidence of things not seen. That's one definition. For by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen today were not made of things which do appear. It takes faith to believe that the earth was created. We can't reason it out very well because we, it breaks down. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous. God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Um, by faith Enoch was translated, that he should not see death, and was not found, because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony, that he pleased God. That, he, that his lifestyle was one of pleasing God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that God is, and that God is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And let's drop down to verse 8. It says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whether he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed, and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore, because of her faith, sprang there even of one and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country, that is, an heavenly. Wherefore, 
that wherefore word again. It's because of that, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. By faith, Abraham, when he was tried, offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, his only begotten son, it was said of him, the one that he had waited for for 99 years, that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from whence also he received him in a figure. You know, that word, those words right there, that faith that Abraham had to believe God, to offer up his only begotten son that he had waited for his whole life because God had told him that he would give him uh, an heir. He, he was 99 years old. Sarah was 90 years old and they were way too old to have children. But they just believed that God would do it. Somehow God would do it. Somehow God would do it. And God actually did it when he was 99 years old. And approximately 15 years later, 17, 15, 17 years later, God says, Abraham, I want you to go kill Isaac. Now, do you think that made any logical sense to Abraham? He said, God, I waited for 99 years. Why do I do this? I never, you'll never be able to answer, fill your promise if I do that. But he did. It says, Abraham accounted, in verse 19, that God was able to raise Isaac up, even from the dead. And from whence he received him in a figure. In other words, he went all the way through with it. And in the figure of speech, he did receive him from the dead at the very last minute. But by faith, Abraham, that's how many things in Abraham's life were, was by faith. We know Abraham as a man of faith. We know Abraham as a character of faith because of things that he did. Now, in my own life, what are the things that chisel my character? What are the things that really define you? What are the things that define your character? Isn't it the situations that we get into that feels like we've jumped in a, in a swimming pool that is, is deeper than our head and we don't know how to swim? And that we're in a situation that we don't know what to do about? Aren't those the, the, the scenarios that define our character? All right, turn to Genesis 12 now, if you would. Verse 1. This is the call of Abraham. So we were reading Hebrews 11. This was more of a history that was recounted to the Jews as a reason for them to believe in Christ. That's in Hebrews 11. And, it, and faith was a very... Was, was the foundation for, for that belief. But Abraham exercised faith in real life, in his life. 
I'm going to read this. I think it down through verse 10. This is the call of Abraham. Now unto the, not, or excuse me. Now the Lord God back up. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy-five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai his wife, and Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of Sikkim, or Shechem, unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was then in the land. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. So Abram came to Shechem and he built an altar to the Lord. And he removed from there, from thence, unto a mountain on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he builded another altar unto the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. We'll stop there. And there's a lot that could be said on uh, Abram and his life. So he was 75 when they left Haran. But let's back up a little bit. Just a little bit of background on Abram's life. Abram was born about two, approximately 292 years. Well, it's approximately because we don't know at what point in Tira's, his dad's life that he was born. But approximately 292 years after the flood, a baby boy was born in a thriving city. So there was a, there was a, a city that was they call it the first known city, the actual real city, an urban city like we would know where that was planned with streets and was, was a real city. It was called Ur. It was in the country of, uh, well, it was Ur of the Chaldees is what the Bible calls it, but it was a Sumerian city, and it was a civilized city. And it was a very wealthy city, and it was there was lots of coming and going and commerce and and lots of things there. That was Ur of the Chaldees, and this baby boy was born to Mr. Tira and one of his wives. He had multiple ones, and this boy's name was Abram. Now Abram, he was a lively little guy, and he was a normal little guy, and he ran around and played with toys just like little children today. But he had two brothers, too, Haran and Nahor. 
Now his grandpa's name was Nahor too, but this, Nahor the second was just one of Abram's brothers. There was three of them that were in this family. And he, was, he had a good dose of energy and he had the normal questions and fears of a growing boy, just like you do, we do, did, will do, I don't know. I still have normal questions and fears, so it means I'm still growing probably. But Abram was a man, grew to be a man, and married Sarai. And he started his own home. Now, Sarai was a relative of Abram's. Um, he told somebody later, the king, Philistine king, that she was his sister because she was actually his half-sister, I think, because she, they had the same father or grandfather, I'm not sure, but not the same mother. But he, he was married and he started his own home. And he was gainfully employed in this city, whatever he did. I don't know what he did, but he had his place there. Now, Abram, he had, he had grown up in this culture, and he was educated, and he, he knew where he fit in and what, what he could do and where he went and how he walked and when to eat and when not to eat. And, you know, he just he had a schedule, and life was happening. But Abram had a knowledge of God, and he, it was passed down directly from his eighth grandpa. So you go, you have your great, 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 great grandpa Noah, right? There was, was way back there. But he was a direct descendant of Noah, one of them. And Abram knew about God. But as Abram was going in his life, walking and coming and going and fitting in and doing his thing and being there, he had um, an awakening, maybe, or he had maybe, it says God spoke to him when he was in Ur of the Chaldees and told him that he needs to get out and go to a land that I will show thee of. Now, Ur of the Chaldees, if you, I don't know if you know where Ur is, but you know where Babylon is. Babylon was, we know about Babylon from later on. But Ur was not far from Babylon. It was a little farther south from Babylon, but it was along the Euphrates River as well. It's called in the cradle of civilization. You have the Tigris River on one side, and you have the Euphrates River on the other side, and there's this, I don't know how wide, but it's like a big valley in there. And there was a lot of people living right in there. Well, Ur is closer to the Euphrates River, and a little farther south of Babylon. It's if you look on a map, Nasiriya, Iraq, is where it's close to today. But that's where Abram was born. But Abram had this awakening, this knowledge, this desire that needs to move out of this town, to go. God had told him to move. Just go and, and go. Go down the road. Go up the road. I'll, uh, I'll tell you when to stop. So Abram shared it with his family, and he shared it with his dad, and with his brothers, and I don't know. Anyway, but in their culture, dad, Daddy Tira was the, he was the patriarch. So he was, I don't know how they all worked this out, but he was the man that the sons looked up to still. 
Well, so it's time to, Tira decides that, you know, we're going to listen to this and we're going to move. So they packed up everything, their substance, all the stuff they had. They had an auction, sold off what they didn't need, had yard sales, um, said their goodbyes, sold their business off, whatever they did. Anyway, packed the camper. It's time to go. So they go out of Ur, and they followed the Euphrates River. Actually, they didn't pack the camper. They had tents. But they, they followed the Euphrates River, and they just went along this, along this valley. And they went north, kind of northwest up across there. How far do you think it was till they stopped? Does anybody know? Does anybody want to take a guess? Nobody wants to take a guess? All right, so they kept going, one foot in front of the other. And the ground is pretty flat up through there. They follow the river, this valley, all the way up through there. But it's about 600 miles up there. And they went a long, long ways. Now, you, uh, Daddy Tiro is probably getting pretty tired. But they kept going, and they kept going, and they kept going. I don't know how long it takes to go 600 miles with a family on foot. But they went. But the good part is the ground is pretty flat. They got all the way up there to a place called Haran. And that's up there in Turkey. They went from southern Iraq all the way up to the southern part of Turkey up there, what's modern-day Turkey. And they stopped. Tira's like, I've had enough. We're going to stop. Well, okay, so he's the dad, and we respect our, our father. And Abram knew that this was not where they were supposed to live, but he stopped, and they, they lived there. Abram and Lot, and even, even brother Nahor. Nahor was Abram's, one of Abram's brothers, but brother Haran had, uh, he had a bad accident back in, in, uh, back in their old place, and he died. And he just, yeah, he died. But he had a son, a little boy named Lot, and Lot needed a dad. So Abram was his father. For Abram was raised his nephew, Lot, because, because uh, Brother Haran died. But there was also a town called Haran, so don't get the two confused. Haran, Haran was Lot's dad, but Haran was also the, also the place they stopped at that was 600 miles up the, up the, up the river. So they stayed there. I don't know how long they stayed there, but they lived there for, for a while. And it doesn't say that Brother Nahor came along with them, but we know from history that Nahor actually ended up in Haran because, <clears throat> does anybody want to guess what Nahor's wife's name was? Her name was Milka. And Milka was also a had a son. The son's name was Bethuel. Bethuel had a son. You know what his name was? His name was Laban. And he, she had a daughter. And you know what? Her name was Rebecca. You know who Rebecca was, right? <laughs> so that was Brother Nahor's. That was Abram's brother Nahor's family. 
So grandson Laban, Nahor's grandson Laban and granddaughter Rebekah, they lived up there. At Haran, later on, we don't know if they went with them or not, but they were up there later. So there they are. It's, Heron is actually a pretty nice little spot. It's well watered up there, and there's, they can farm, they can grow things, and there's grass, and they've got a place to keep some sheep and a few pigs. Well, they didn't have pigs. They had um, whatever they kept there. They kept, they kept livestock. So it's a good place to live. And Tira, he just, he couldn't, he just, it was too much to make that big trip. And he died after a while, just like everybody does. And Tira died. So after they mourned, grieved about their dad passing and buried him, and Abram said, you know, God still told me to get, keep going, and this is not where God wants us to stay. So we're gonna, we have to keep going. Can you imagine? Sarah says, we really do? Really? Yeah, yeah, we need to keep going. But Sarah, one good thing, or one thing about Sarah is that she respected Abram. She reverenced him. And it says that Sarah reverenced him and respected him. So whether she wanted to personally or didn't want to, she went along with it. And Lot went... And they took, and then there were some people that were born to the, in their household, whether it was servants or, or I don't know. There was, it says, the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they packed the camper again, or their tents, and they went, started going. But this time they went south. And they crossed the Euphrates River. So they were up here in Haran. Let me get my, my thing out here again. Well, let's see. So we'll say over here, this is way down, way down south. This is where the Abram was born. And then the Euphrates River runs along up through there like that. And they kind of follow this little spot up through here, all the way up here to a place called Herod, right here. So Tira, this is about 600 miles through here. And Tira, he spent the rest of his life up here. He was 200 and some years old when he died. So I don't know how long they lived in Haran, but it was a, it was a good while. And then Abram decided to go keep going. So he comes over like this, crosses the river, comes down south again. And they came all the way down here to a place called Shechem. Shechem's over here, and Bethel's a little bit, just a little bit over here. But he went, he went, uh, he went over here a little bit, and got himself another spot on the mountain. But his second trip that he made was about approximately 400 miles. He made a, that was a long, long ways to go. 350, 400 is approximate. But one thing that's interesting is that the second trip went through the mountains. Now, Abram wasn't used to mountains. He never lived in mountains before. Abram was a, he was, he grew up in, the, in where it's flat. 
or flatter. But anyway, he had to walk through the mountains. You think that was hard on him? I bet it was. Anyway, he ended up living in the mountains. He came down there and he came to Shechem. And the thing that's interesting about coming to Shechem, when he came, when he got to Shechem, God came to him. God came down and talked, or not came, came to him in a dream, talked to him. And it was, I think Abram was pretty tired by this point. But God came down and talked to Abram. And he said, let's come back over here. When he got to Shechem, in verse 6, Abram passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, unto the plain of Morah, and the Canaanite was in the land. The Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. Abram, this is the land that I want you to be in, right here. This is it. And that was a defining, that was a very defining point in Abram's life. And you know what he did? He built an altar right there. He wanted to make a, he wanted to remember this spot in his life. It was a very important spot in his life. I will give you this land. God didn't say you have to be right here, but in this area. So Abram, he didn't. He decided he didn't want to be in the, in the plain, I guess. So he he packed up and he went over, uh, to a mountain on the east of Bethel. He went through the little town of Bethel and out across the valley and up the mountain, and he put his tent over there. So then Bethel was on the west and Hai on the east and he was on this mountain. And he built another altar unto the Lord. And God didn't appear to him this time, but Abraham made the, made the meeting. Abraham called on God there at Bethel. And that's where Abraham was at for a bit. He had two altars, one where God came to him and one where he came to God. There's two altars, two defining points in Abram's life. And this was part of Abram's journey of faith. He didn't know where they were going and trekking 400 miles over mountains that you're not used to going is pretty tough. But there was Abram at the end of the journey and guess what? There's no food. Verse 10 says, or verse 9, Abram called on the name of the Lord. I don't know what he told him, but he had to keep going because there was a famine in the land. There's no food there. What are we going to do? God, you called us here, but there's no way to make, we can't even survive. I don't know what he said. But there was no way to survive because there was no food. So he kept on going toward the south, and he trekked some more, probably another four or five hundred miles, all the way down. They came, it's a lot of mountains in there, but the interesting thing is that the children of Israel actually followed somewhat this route later, but they went from Canaan, and they went uh, down and around through the valleys and wherever they had to go, all the way to Egypt. There was food in Egypt, so they went over there. And Abram, I don't know if God led Abram over there or if Abram went there on his own, but he got in trouble in Egypt. But we're not going to get into that too much. But Abram 
The thing that I was wanting to, to bring out here, Abram's life, he went from being in a town where he had his spot, he had his place, he had his, he had, yeah, whatever. He was, he was up and coming. But God put, in, put a desire in him to leave. So he left and he just followed 600 miles of walking. 600. How many of you would like to do a 600 mile walk starting tomorrow? Nobody's volunteering, so. But that's what Abram did. I don't know. I don't think he knew it was going to be that long. He did not know. God just said go, and Abram started going. Well, Tira, I'm not sure who took, but they went 600 miles. They got to a point. They stayed there for a while, and they kept going. But life is a journey. Following after God is a journey. It's not. We make a decision, and now it is all done. It's a journey. It's a continual, continual going. And God takes us 600 miles here, 400 miles there, 500 miles, however and it turns out. But it's, it's a continual, continual going. Now, Abram was used to walking in the... In the flat ground. It's easy to walk in the flat ground. The second part of his journey took him in through the mountains. But you know, my life is that way. As we grow, the, sometimes the youth, we have the optimism of youth, and we, life looks rosy, and we go, we have, we have struggles, and sometimes they are not very optimistic or very rosy. And we get clouded over, but it's like a mountain that we go over. And sometimes God put, takes us through several mountains at a time. Have you ever faced that? You're walking along and you climb the mountain and you're like, when we get to the top of this, we'll be done. And we go down the other side. We have to climb another one. And we go up over that. And we just keep going up the mountain and down the mountain and up the mountain and down the mountain. We don't know if God knows what he's doing or not. And yet, if we turn around, we still have to go back up the mountain. If we keep going, we go up the mountain. But God always gives us a choice. We can turn around anytime we want to. But the reward is only for those who keep going. And that's where faith comes in. Do we believe that there is a reward? Do we believe that God is directing our steps? And we can pray for God to increase our faith. But God wants us to have some faith to increase. And that faith is simply, I believe you, Lord. I believe and you'll have to take it from here. Because we can't do anything else. All we can do is just believe. But sometimes we're tired from walking up the mountain. And sometimes we're tired from walking down the mountain. And sometimes we're worn out because we're at the end of our 600 mile trek on the flat ground. 
You know, we were in Montana this last summer, and we hiked up a mountain. And for people that aren't used to hiking up a mountain, it was probably, I don't know what it was, three and a half, four miles up this mountain. And I was about dead when we got up to the top. I was like, wow, this is the best. This, is, this was definitely worth, or definitely uh, worth writing home about. And it was so cold up there. Oh, it was so cold. There was snow up there, and there was wind, tremendous wind. And Anyway, the worst part was actually coming back down the mountain. By the time we got down the mountain, I was my legs were so sore. Anyway, but that's how life is. We go up. It's hard going up, and it's hard coming down. But we, have, we need to believe that God is and that he is a rewarder of those that seek him. Abram was not spectacular in that he was um, a, a giant or that he was a superhuman being. He was spectacular because he did not give up on God. That was what made Abram a friend of God. He believed God, even if it didn't make any sense. And you know, there's times in my life, when we go through life, that things don't make sense. God, why do you put so much work here? I can't even function, because... There's too much things. There's too many things to do. There's there's no possible way to do everything that I'm supposed to do in one day. There's no possible way to do it. You might have felt that frustration already. But if you think about it, it can make it makes me so angry some days because there's no way to do it. There just is no way to do it. And then when one more thing breaks or one more thing goes wrong, what can I do? There's no way to, to do it. This isn't all the time. I, these, are, these are just some frustrations I've had in, in life. But one thing that I've, I have noticed is that when I try to take care of it all on my own, I try to make the lists, or you try to organize everything, and this all has to click. It does. It usually falls apart somewhere. But when God, when you give it to God, many times, I don't know how it all happens, but things we come out the other side, and God has worked it out. And we don't. I don't really know how He's worked it out. But you know that the hard part in life is what chisels our character. And, and, the, and, and when we're in over our heads and aren't able to, 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 to go forward or backwards or sideways, or we, there's no way to wiggle. There's no room to wiggle. And we reach out to God, even if it's just very small faith he can work it out and our life 
those are defining moments that we can look back and we can say, you know, God did this. And when we, can, when we look back and we give God the credit for something that he has brought us through in our life, it's like building an altar to him at that particular place. And there's and in your life and in my life, you can probably look back at these at these some of these times and you can say, you know, God has spoken to me at this place and he's altered my life. God came to me and spoke, and we we give him the credit for that. But God comes. But sometimes we get in a place where where we go to God. And when we go to God and he answers. We remember that as well. Those, are, those altars are like memorials in our life where we remember this and it helps us respond to the next one. By faith, Dave. Dave is fixing to move. And I'm sure you don't know where you're going to, how life is going to go, Dave. You don't know. He's trudging up the mountain right now. But it's by faith. And Dan, I'm sure you've got mountains to go down or up or Miriam or yeah, anybody, everybody here does. But by faith, by faith we live. If we choose to. Now, we don't have to choose. We can try to do it on our own. And sometimes we think things through so much that our faith is, um, we try to figure out how God's going to do it all, and we can't figure out a way, so we think it's hopeless. I do that anyway. I try to think it through. Or even... That's on a practical level. God just, there's no way God can work this out. And it, and it's hard to trust him because I want to try it on my own first. But then there's the abstract things of life that takes faith. There's the practical things that take faith. But God is, can I say it, an abstract being <laughs> that we have to believe even though we can't see him. But I know personally that God has that God is real and that God can that God has worked in my life. In uh, I think it was Jacob in in the area of Bethel here. It was in the very same area a couple several well quite a few years later. I didn't even study this. I, mean, I didn't even think about it until now. But Jacob made an altar to the Lord here, and he called it Ebenezer. I think it was Jacob. I might be wrong on that, but there, there was an altar made, and it was called Ebenezer. And you know, Ebenezer means, Hitherto hath the Lord helped us. But it's right there in that same area. But God is faithful to us. Are we faithful to him?
I'm just going to leave it with that this morning. Why don't we, let's all stand for prayer. Our Father, this morning we just come to you and we thank you for the way that you have worked in our life. We thank you that you are worthy to trust. You're worthy to worship. You're worthy to praise. And you're worthy to believe in. Father, would you guide us in our our journey? Lord, whether we're at the end of our journey, almost at the end of our journey, or just starting out, or somewhere in between, we know that you are with us where it's flat and where the terrain is rough. Would you continue to guide? And Father, would you increase our faith where it's weak and where it's shaky and where it's maybe very slim? Would you increase our faith and guide us as a group here and guide each one in our in our life, our battles that we face. We pray that you would be with each one personally today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated, and let's have a song. <clears throat>